Well, he can say there's no pressure, but there is. Uh, it's a real joy for me to get to be here, and I appreciate Brother Daniel. I appreciate this church. I appreciate many of my preacher friends that are here. appreciate the guys that drove up the road with me to get to come be a part of this meeting. And uh, I walked in, and I could, I, I could go eat whatever that food is I smell. <laughs> Is going uh, we, in West Virginia. We said hanker our, our ability uh, to preach a long time tonight, probably. But but I could leave already knowing that I've been to church just from being in that prayer room tonight. And I thought when I walked in there, what a thrill it is to be a part of the family of God. And what a blessing it is. To walk in an atmosphere like that and it not and not wonder what it is. And uh, I'm so grateful to be here. And uh, I I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me uh, to the book of Second Samuel, chapter number six. Second Samuel, chapter number six, is where the Lord has my heart. Uh, for tonight, Second Samuel chapter number six, verse number one. God bless him, Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says, verse number one. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal to Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts. that dwelleth between the cherubims. <laughs> and they set the ark of God, this don't even sound right, upon a new cart. And brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah and Uz and Ohio, spelled wrong, I guess, Ahio. <laughs> the son of Abinadab drave the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the, the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. Watch this. When they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it 
for the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Father, I, as humble as I know how, I ask you, God, tonight to help me to deliver that which you put in my spirit and in my heart. God, I'm a nothing. I'm a nobody. I have no ability to reach anybody's heart here tonight. But, God, it is your word. God, you chose the foolishness of preaching to confound the wise. Now, God, we've got a new year and a new day, and I pray, God, you'd help us, Lord, to correct errors, God, and to fix that which is not pleasing to you. God, may we see revival. God, may we see the power of God manifest itself in a real way in the year 2022. Lord, we thank you. Help us now, we pray. For it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. As we come to the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 6, we find that the word of God begins to lay the, uh, the plot of the story of how David has become the king of the land. And as David has become the king of the land, uh, following his predecessor Saul, that one who consistently chased after the things of the flesh and fall and watch the nation begin to go downward because he forgot the God of his forefathers. And we watch as God uh, sends Samuel years ago and has anointed David to be the king and David has outlived the years where Saul attempted to slay him and David uh, uh, fled those years and God protected David through those seasons of life where it looked like Saul was going to slay him. Even the times when David himself thought, surely Saul will slay me. But God has delivered David to such a place. Aren't you glad that promotion is in the hand of God? And when God opens a door, no man can shut it. And when God shuts a door, no man can open it. David didn't have to worry about it. The will of God was going to be accomplished for him. God was seated on high and was in ultimate control at all times in the life of David and we find that God brings David to this place he's been anointed and appointed by this time and he's the king of the land David being the king has some decisions to make and David decides that a paramount decision of the day was to go and get the ark of God and put it back in place where it belongs. The power source. This is the power conference, right? The power source must be put in its place for the power to reside in this nation. And it goes after this ark that at the time had been placed here and 
uh, in, the, in the home of Abinadab. It had been through all kinds of stuff. The Philistines had it. The judgment of God falls upon them in such a way that uh, tumors and all the kind of things that are going on in the field, and they, they want it gone out of their cities. Right. Isn't it wonderful how uh, the things of God here could be a curse to some people and a blessing to the other people all at the same time? But, but, but it goes there, and for 20-some years, the ark rests inside the home of Abinadab. Now, for these 20 years, it gets there. And then David, we'll shout in a minute, but we got to build this up. Look, uh, for 20 years, it's in that home. While it's there, God behind the scenes is putting David in the rightful place. God knew a season revival was on the way. But the, the place wasn't ready for the revival they needed yet. And God, for 20 years, is orchestrating things all around. David becomes the king. And here comes David. He sends after this ark. It looks like the picturesque, wonderful move. Right. Let's say it like this. The right motive right. with the wrong method. I said the right motive with the wrong method. He set up the singers and the pickers and the players and they're doing their thing. And it looks like a parade bringing the Ark of the Covenant, the power sources coming home. And out of the home of Abinadab, his sons, Uzzah and Ahio, are driving this new cart, which was a Philistine method to carry the cart. And here they are driving this new cart, carrying the presence of God, the ark of God. They come to the threshing floor. And when they come to the threshing floor, which was a smooth place, the oxen stumbles. And when the oxen stumbles, Uzzah lifts his hand to protect, to stabilize the ark. Does that not look like a good thing to do? It looks like a reasonable thing to do. If I put myself in his shoes nine times out of ten, I probably would have done the same thing he did. And for no greater crime than putting his hand up to stabilize the ark, God, his wrath was kindled against Uzzah. And he killed Uzzah in his place for no greater crime than touching the ark of God. I ain't going to lie. In my study this past week, when I was dealing with this text, I had some strong questions for the Lord. That don't make... Say what you want if that's Tucker... My boy, why in the world 
Would you kill somebody over that? I've got a few things I want to give you. And, 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 and we'll go do something else. I want to say first of all, and I only really got two points, two thoughts. But I want us to recognize the danger of the presence of God. The danger of the presence of God. And to understand what I'm trying to say, we've really got to go in our imaginations and, and walk through the home of Abinadab. You've got to walk on this piece of property that belongs to this man by the name of Abinadab. And in this place, you go back in history 20-some years ago and the Philistines have had the ark and the Philistines have been in control of it and somehow it winds up on the hill in the home of Abinadab. And in these walls and on this property sits a holy thing. Yes, sir. In this home sits a godly thing. In this home on a hill sits a supernatural thing. And in this home are some kids growing up around a holy thing. And I'm sure when it first got there, they's all getting their cell phones, taking selfies with the ark. How neat it is to have this holy thing in our house. How wonderful it is to have this holy thing on our piece of property. How long did that last? Probably about as long as your shout lasted when you got saved. And that which was holy eventually ceased to be holy and it just was special. And then it ceased from being special to where it just became a familiar decoration around the house. There was a danger with the presence here and that is something that you and I will deal with every day of our lives. Familiarity around the things of God. I was raised, listen here, I was a Baptist nine months before I was born. Only drug problem I ever had was being drugged to church every time the doors was open. But could I tell you sometimes the hardest people that have the hardest view of the cross are the people that are raised right under it. You look this way, you see no cross. And you got to look straight up to see it. And I'm concerned as a father. I'm concerned as a pastor. I'm concerned as a preacher. I'm concerned as a friend of how we as the people of God have become familiar with the things of God. And that which used to thrill us and that which used to excite us and that which used to make our souls stir and that which nobody had to pump you and nobody had to prime you. It didn't have to be your favorite preacher. It didn't have to be your favorite singer. You didn't know nothing about the politics.
politics of the movement. You are just so glad to be saved by the good grace of God that you rejoiced over the things of God. But now it's Burger King religion. It got to be your way or no way at all. And we become familiar with the things of God. It don't matter how good of a singer we bring in. It ain't going to stir your soul. It don't matter how good of a preacher we bring. They're not going to stir your soul. But God get us back to a place where we're not familiar, but we're still thrilled by the good things of God. I don't ever want to get over where God brought me from. I don't ever want to get over what God saved me from. I don't ever want to get old what God did for me. Mr. Sound Man, for 20 years, Uzzah lived around it, and it became so familiar that when it became unstable, he thought, I'm so familiar with that, I'll just... We got to be careful how we handle holy things. I said we got to be careful how we handle holy things. I still believe before a singer ever steps on a stage and picks up a microphone that they better search their heart and make sure they're clean in their soul before they sing. I still believe for us preachers, I still believe in the doctrine of holiness. I still believe we ought to try to live right. I still believe we ought to live above reproach. I still believe before I step in this pulpit, I better sure have checked my own heart and said, God, let my heart be clean before I'm out of the pulpit of God. I'm telling you, we better be careful how we treat the holy things of God. I believe one of the reasons that we're not experiencing the revival and the things of God like we want to is because we have went half-hearted and we have went another way with the way we worship God and how we handle the holy things of God. Familiarity will do a lot of things. Yes, sir. Number one, it'll it'll cause you to lose the wow factor. Remember when you first got saved? First got saved and somebody sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And boy, big old lump would come up in your throat and your heart go to beating and you'd say, thank you God for saving me. And then they'd go to, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. And you'd say, I remember when I didn't trust Jesus, but I'm thankful that now I can say I trust Jesus. And remember when it stirred your soul. Remember when you'd come to church and you didn't care how, how long it was till you got out? Remember when you come to church and you wept and prayed and begged God to save somebody? Remember when you'd see somebody get baptized and it thrill your soul and the joy of God would fill your heart? Remember them days when the man of God would have the unction on him and you said, God heard my prayer this week when I heard the preacher pray for the preacher in the preaching time and you'd get thrilled. And now we can sing every verse of Amazing Grace. And you're going to sit there like a knot on a log. We can bring the preacher's end and you watching your Mickey Mouse watch wondering and hoping and you well if he don't let me out on time I ain't going to tithe this week. I'm pastor now. I hear them voices. Uh, uh, don't they 
no, we got a lunch with our family at 12.15. Preacher better let us out by 12 o'clock. You better be very careful, sir. You better be very careful, ma'am. We're becoming familiar with the things of God. I tell Becky, I told Becky this weekend, I looked at her. I was sitting there and uh, she was across the table eating. I said, hey, baby. She said, yeah. I said, you sure are pretty. She said, what you want? I said, nothing. I said, I just want you to know that you're still as beautiful to me today as you've ever been. And I love you more today. I'm getting happy talking about it in church. I'm more in love with you today than I've ever been before. Because it's just like everything. We can take it for granted. And the luster and the newness that we used to feel if we're not careful to feed the fire, a flame will turn into a coal. Because of familiarity. It'll cause us to lose the wow factor. It'll cause us to lose a respect for the holiness of God. And then that little, still, small voice of what we call Holy Ghost conviction that we used to hear so strongly. Now it's so distant in the background. That is just an echo of what used to be in your heart. I tell people this all the time. If you still have the ability to hear that voice of conviction and reproof in your own spirit, you ought to run five laps tonight and thank God and shout as loud as you can that you can still hear that voice of conviction. TV comes on and something you know ain't right, but ain't nobody else there watching. And the Holy Ghost... I don't know how he talks to y'all, but that's how he talks to me. You're right, Lord. Something come across your phone. And the truth is, probably nobody ever see what you're looking at. God sees it. And the Holy Ghost... Can you still hear the voice of conviction? Because if we're not careful, familiarity will allow you to walk in a place where you say, well, all that stuff's for those kind of people, but I'm, I'm good enough. I can handle it. I know we used to believe that was sin, but I've evolved and I have progressed enough that I believe I can handle what other people do. You're fooling yourself is what you are. And you're falling directly into the trap that the enemy has set for you. We'll shout tomorrow night. I promise we will. It it, it causes us to lose respect for the holiness of God. And that voice of conviction that used to reign in your heart. When you wake up in the morning and that sweet, precious lamb whispers into your soul, come spend some time with me this morning. Come away 
Get your Bible. Come spend some time with me. But you have rejected him for so many months in a row by now. But does God even bother to give that invitation to you anymore? When he becomes familiar, we lose that wow factor. And when he becomes familiar, we lose respect for the holiness of God. Oh, but preacher, I know I may not be the best Christian, but I'm a whole lot better than so-and-so. What a testimony. Preacher, I know I may not be the best Christian in the church, but I'm doing a whole lot better than that person back there. That's where we've messed up. You see, the measuring stick has never been so-and-so back there. And the measuring stick has never been Brother Vaughn. And the measuring stick has never been Brother Vaughn. But listen to me. If there's something we've got to get back in our point, it is the holiness of God. The measuring stick is the holiness of God. And anytime I compare myself to the holiness of God, a woe is me, for I am undone. And for all you people that got so much time to talk bad about everybody else because you're so perfect, if I dare say, if you would compare yourself with the holiness of God, you would find out you ain't got near as much time to talk about anybody else if you're dealing with your own sin. Love the sinner, but hate the sin. How about hate your own sin? How about spend some time on, yeah, 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 y'all, 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 y'all want me to talk about other people. The truth is, truth is judgment's got to start in the house of God. And if there's anything I learned, from the one preaching it tonight to the one all the way in the back, and those, all of us have got stuff that we got to say, God, I'm wretched. I'm undone. I'm unclean. God, there's pride living in me. There's self-righteousness living in me. And God, I can't walk in the holy of holies until you get me clean. God, get the rag of glory and go far. Do what David said. Search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. God, I want to be clean. Causes us to lose respect for the holiness of God. It's good preaching. It causes us to ignore the boundaries that God put in our lives. Let me talk to my generation for just a second. My generation's doing everything they can to find every guardrail and remove it. Removing guardrails. Old timer told me something a long time ago. It makes a lot of sense. Before you go to moving a guardrail, you may want to figure out why somebody put it there. My generation raised up, and I, I'm be honest, uh, saw the legalism, saw all this stuff that it, what everybody wants to call, and then they retreated all the way. And I say, I was part of this too. Retreat all the way over here, but I'm telling you, I believe my generation retreated way too far this way. God help us to find the balance. And not live out of the boundaries to that way, and not live the boundaries to that way. I don't want to be in the ditch to the right. I don't want to be in the ditch to the left. I've got too much at stake. I'm raising kids in this thing. I don't get another shot. I've only got one attempt to do it right. I don't want to be in either ditch. I want to do it right for the glory of God. There was three rules to this ark. Number one is you're supposed to carry 
the ark. Number two, Kohathites only were to carry the ark. And number three, don't touch it. It's holy. The, 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 the book of Numbers and the book of Exodus outlined it clearly. And there was a specific group of the Levites that were to take care of certain articles inside of the tabernacle. And, the, and one of those items was the ark. The priests were the only ones that were allowed to go in and handle part. But boy, we see that, 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 that there was a certain assignments that God said, this is a holy thing. And there's rules and boundaries that come with this holy thing. And my question is, why didn't somebody tell Uzzah? Whose job was it to tell Uzzah, don't touch the ark? Why didn't somebody give a refresher course every year and warn them how holy this was? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I can hear the voices. Well, that was really important 20 years ago, but it's not as important now. God's command didn't change. And as a father, I think, what if this is Tucker? And Tucker thinks he's doing a good thing. But God kills him because he had a good motive with a bad method. Medical field is full of what they call malpractice. I wonder how many of our pulpits are guilty of spiritual malpractice. And people are dying and going to hell and their lives are being devastated because they're sitting in pews where there is no power and they're sitting in churches where there is no revival and they're sitting through churches that are nothing more than a religious symbolism, symbolism rather. And it's all because we're doing things maybe with the right motive. Maybe they have a good heart, but they got the wrong method and they're not doing things God's way. I want to know, Mr. Mr. Abedi, well, where are you? You're his father. Why didn't you tell him, don't touch the ark and as a father as a preacher as a pastor what a weight there should be to look at this next generation and say that's a holy thing I had a daddy say this we don't play in church we don't run through the church you know what I hear I tell my boy I see him every night Sunday I'll look up Siler he's the bad I'll see him up there and he's chasing girls which I say thank God he's chasing girls amen and he'll be and I say hey we don't play in God's house you say that might be a little overkill I'm trying to teach my kids a lesson all these people that are leaving church and deconstructing from the faith or whatever you want to call it and they're leaving and they got a sour taste in their mouth could it be it's not their fault could it be their spiritual malpractice involved yes sir could it be that what they're saying is true there was no power that's right I see people all the time uh, preach, I get on, and they're trying to guilt trip people into why they won't come to church. And for all these preachers that are talking down and out about well, when our people come back, let's face it, it's been two years. Them people that ain't been back to church, they gone. 
What you got's what you got. Now deal with it and get over it and get your pacifier and do whatever you got to do. But hear me, if I got a guilt trip people into coming to church, what kind of church I got anyhow? You know what I believe, Jack? I believe there ought to be so much power and so much life in the house of God that it's like a feeding station that they want to be in the house of God. It ought not be a begrudgery. I want my kids to want to come to church. On Sunday morning, my kids wake up and they want to go early with Daddy. Why? Because they something out of the house of God that they want to be. I still believe that God's house ought to not feel like a funeral home. It ought not feel like a social club. This is where God meets with his people. This is where we worship. This is where we shout. My favorite day of the week is in God's house. I believe there's something special in the house of God. Danger of his presence is it? Familiarity will creep in, and it will cause us to lose the wow factor. It'll cause us to lose respect for the holiness of God. It'll cause us to ignore the boundaries. Carry the ark, specific group, are the only ones supposed to be carrying it, and you're not supposed to touch it. Watch this. Had they been carrying the ark and it not being on a new cart with an oxen pulling it, there would have never been a stumble and there would have never been a shaking and there would have never been a need for the boy to raise his hand. If you'd have done it God's way, the boy'd still be alive. David, whose fault is that? Is it his fault? Or is it your fault that you allowed it to happen? Come on, preacher. Come on. Go ahead. David, the Bible talks about a fear coming over him. And the fear of God is always a good thing. We're, we're, we're going to see the grace of God here. God's teaching them a lesson. The fear of God comes over David, and David, David researches and figures it out. And in the meantime, he parks the ark in the home of Obed-Edom. And while David... I believe it's a couple months, two or three months. I don't know. Brother Danny can correct me. I ain't got no pride in it. But what I can see is about two or three months, this ark is parked in the home of Obed-Edom. All the time, uh, David is researching, talking to the Levites, talking to the, all the people that ought to know how you ought to treat the ark. And while David's figuring it out, the ark resting and parked in the home of Obed-Edom, the presence of God begins to bloom like a rose in the home of Obed-Edom. And God begins to bless Obed-Edom. And God begins to bless everything that Obed-Edom has. Obed-Edom 
Edom ain't seeking the blessing. The blessing is seeking him because the presence, y'all don't want, because the presence of God is living inside of the centerpiece of their house. I told our church Sunday, may the glory be the goal of 2022. May I may not be exercised. I have had a subscription to Planet Fitness for four years and I've only been three times in four years, but they get my $20 a month every single month. Can we say that's been a waste of money and a waste of time? But at the end of the day, we got all our New Year's resolutions, but may I say the best resolution we can make is to say inside of my home, I can't decide for you. I can't decide for you, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want the presence of God not to just be a Sunday thing, not to be a Wednesday thing, but I want my kids to come to a home and the centerpiece of our home residing there and who's in charge? Daddy's not in charge. Mama's not in charge. The Holy Ghost is in charge inside the middle of our home. The Holy Ghost. Psalm 91 and 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Then lastly, the duty of his presence. David goes and researches and talks and learns and he finds out that God's work must be done God's way. They fix their approach. They fix their method. We don't see no shiny new cart. Y'all know our churches are full of shiny new carts, right? I I ain't got to preach that here. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, Our churches are full of all this stuff that we have thought that it's a better method, a better way. But, 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 But when God gives you the method... He don't need a better way. He don't need a better plan. So David fixes it. And we don't see a new cart, but we find these men carrying the ark. And I love, I love what the Bible says happens. It says that they're carrying this ark, and as they're taking it from old Bed-Edom's house into David's place said that they would one, two, three, four, five, six. Six paces. And they would sit it down and they'd present a sacrifice to God and they'd sing and shout and they'd worship and they'd give God glory and they'd praise him for the six steps that they brought him through. They'd pick it up again. They'd take six more steps and they'd go to shouting and they'd go to praising God all over again. Six being the number of humanity realizing the in and of themselves there's nothing they can fix that Israel's future is doomed without the presence of God but that everything's fixing to get better when we get the ark in its place and when we put the ark in the centerpiece of our country if God be for us who can be against us and those men every six steps they take
headache. They'd sit it down and they'd praise God for the goodness of God. May I say, and I'm about done, that in 2022, a really good goal for you and I is not to go too far without thanking God where he's brought us from, where he's brought us to, and where he's taken us to. He's been too good to you and I. He's been too faithful to you and I. He's brought us through too many storms along the way. He's been faithful along the way. And may you and I say, I ain't going no further than a few steps without thanking him for the good day that he saved my soul. I'm not going to go very far without thanking him for the good glad day that he wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. I'm not going to go very far without saying thank you God for feeding my children and for feeding my family, for putting a roof over my head and for putting shoes on my feet. You say, well, y'all's a little loud and you're a little noisy. It don't make sense. Honey, we're a bunch of people that remember where God brought us from and where he's brought us to. And for y'all, we just come through a worldwide pandemic. And if you're still here and breathing God's air, God still has a plan for your life. And if anybody ought to give God glory, it ought to be y'all. I thank God for the friends I got. I thank God for the family that God's given me. I thank God for salvation that still lives in my soul. I thank God that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I thank God that when I just about lost my mind, that God restored me and turned my life back around for the glory of God. I thank God that when I didn't have no kids and I asked God for kids, that God gave me a family. I thank God that when I asked God for friends, God gave me some loving friends that pray along the way. I could do this all night long. God's been good to me and God's been good to you. And I cannot take too many steps without saying, I just want to stop a little while and say, bless the name of Jesus. I just want to stop a little while and say, had it not been the Lord that was on my side, I just want to stop a little while and say, it sure is good that God is my father and heaven is my home and there's joy in my soul. I just got to stop every now and then and say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me when I was unlovable. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me when I didn't deserve you dying for me. I just got to stop and say, God, thank you for letting me be raised around the house of God. God, thank you for giving me a perfect Bible. God, thank you for all you've done for me. God, thank you. I'm about to lose my voice. Vaughn, stand up and thank him for just a minute. They thank you for what he's done. Yeah.
turn this one on. to live in America. Amen. I want to thank God that I had a, I got a good car to drive up to church with. I, God, if I got what I deserved, I wouldn't have nothing. I want to thank God I got a friend like Brother Daniel Buchanan. I want to thank God that I got a family waiting for me at the house. I want to thank God that I didn't have to go and get food stamps. I thank you, sir. I didn't have to go get some food stamps to go find food today, but God's been faithful along the way. I want to thank God that the Bible said I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seat begging bread. I want to thank God that he's still the lily of the valley and he's still the bright morning star and he's still the rose of Sharon. I want to thank him that when I'm hungry, he's my bread. I want to thank him that when I'm thirsty, he's my water. I want to thank him that when I'm broke, he's my banker. I want to thank him that when I'm sick, he's my doctor. I want to thank him tonight that no matter what I need, Moses said, what do you want to? What do you want me to tell him? He said, tell him that I am. I, I am that I am. That because no matter what you need, he said, I am the solution. I am the door. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No matter what you need tonight, if you're depressed, he's the counselor. And no matter what you need, he'll be there when I can't be there, when the preacher can't be there, he's there. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank him that he's God when I'm good. I want to thank him that he's God when I'm bad. I want to thank him that he's God when I'm up and he's God when I'm down. I want to thank him that he's God when I'm happy. He's God when I'm sad. He's the chief physician. He's the chief cornerstone. He's that one that before the foundations of the world, he said, let there be light, and there was light. I want to thank him that he's still in the soul-saving business. I want to thank him that he's never met a sinner that he could not save. I want to thank him that he's no drunk that's so drunk that he can't sober him up. There's no addict that's so addicted that he can't set him free. I want to thank him that there's no marriage that is so broken that he can't put it back together. I want to thank him uh, that he's no teenager that's wayward uh, that he can't rescue them. Uh, there's no prodigal son or prodigal daughter that he can't go and reach. Uh, I want to thank him tonight uh, that there's nobody so far that the loving arm of God can't go get him. I want to thank him tonight that the Holy Ghost said, uh, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I want to thank him that he's here. He's in this room. He's with us right now. And for a season and for a time we get to shout down here but the Bible said uh, the Lord himself uh, shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first uh, and then we which are alive and remain uh, shall be caught up together I want to thank him that if you think we're loud down here you wait till we get over there and we're going to shout we're going to give God glory we're going to see your daddy again we're going to see your husband again. We'll see my grandma again. And heaven is still yet to come. I just want to say, I don't want to take too many steps without giving him glory. I can't do no more. Yes. Nice. Nice.